Welcome friends, my name is Jonathan Reeder and I am the Community Life Pastor here at Friends Church in Orange. And we are so glad that you are checking out this message today. We hope that you find inspiration for your spiritual journey wherever you're at on that journey. We're just glad that you're here today. If you wanna find out ways to get connected here at Friends and be a part of our community, you can just check all that out on the website that you're on right now. Find out how you can be a part of what is happening here at Friends. We hope you enjoy this message and we hope that God blesses you through what you hear. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see you guys. Thrilled that you guys are here uh, as we get to launch our new series. Uh, I believe that you are already getting a picture of who God is and you're getting to hear from him and that's gonna happen even more so, I know, as we continue to walk this out. But as we get started today, uh, I wanna ask you a question. How many of you have ever said or how many of you have ever heard the phrase, you gotta see it to believe it? Anybody, right? It's like, it seems like where we live in a world where this is just true. And some things that feels really true. So we've talked about some of these before, but you know, the Hamilton crazies, you know what I mean? You get a sense that it's like, oh, you got to see it. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it, right? And then of course, the, this movie just came out and how many of you saw it? You got to see it. So, I mean, you got to see it in IMAX. You can't wait till it comes out on your little TV. Like you got to go see it if you're going to experience it. Uh, or this. You know, oftentimes you get out in the... How many of you have ever stood at the, in that valley? The Yosemite Valley looked up at half... It's like this picture, you're like, that picture is awesome and it's lame. Like it could never capture the beauty of what happens there. Uh, and of course this, how many of you have seen this? <laughs> right? See, so you get... Here's the thing. I took that picture. Now, some of you are like, oh, it's a shot from Star Wars. No! I took it. I got yelled at by a stormtrooper for taking that picture. <laughs> and if you know what I'm talking about, because you've been on Rise, you're like, that's awesome. You do have to see it to believe it. And it's like we live in this world where seeing is believing, where, where our personal experience is our highest value. It's like it validates whatever it is we think we want to be true in our life. I got to see this for myself. But what if, but what if the best life is experienced when that gets flipped around? What if instead of seeing is believing, what if it's actually believing is seeing? What if it's actually you have to move towards something with a sense of hope and wonder and awe and anticipation and then it gets validated in your life? What if those are the opportunities that we're actually invited into. Because if you think about it, you might just miss out on something really spectacular in your life if you always wait to see it, to believe it. I mean, someone had to be the first person to go see Hamilton live and share that story. Somebody had to be the first person to head west and walk through that Yosemite Valley and experience it for the first time. Someone's got to be the first one to take a step. And so the bottom line, what if you actually have to believe something to be true so that you can see and experience the fullness of what life may have for you? I mean, maybe there's a next step that you've sort of had out in front of you. You think, you believe, you hope, maybe. Maybe it's something relationally in your life. 
Maybe it's a friendship that, that's unfolding. Maybe it's someone you're intrigued by. Maybe it's, uh, it's a relationship. Maybe it's a date you want to ask somebody on, or maybe somebody's asked you on a date and I don't know, and you know, maybe you're swiping left or right or whatever you guys do these days on those apps. I don't know. Maybe it's something vocationally. Maybe there's opportunities that you have. You gotta take a leap of faith and leave your current job or step into a new role, be challenged in a way that you never have before. Or maybe it's spiritually. Maybe you've heard the story about who God is and you understand Jesus and church and community and you hear us talk every single week about connection and family and the power of relationships and generosity and you've heard all that, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. And it just kind of sits out there. What if you're missing out on something spectacular because you're just waiting and you need to just take that step? What if it's something you need to let go of in your life? What if it's a way of thinking or an assumption or a question that's been holding you back? What if it's a habit or an addiction that's put you in a prison and you just got to let go of it because there's something out there that's beautiful? You see, that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what God is going to talk to you about today. As we launch this series called Ignite, we're going to look at the, some of the most defining verses in the Bible that will set a solid foundation to faith, to help you take those courageous steps as we move through life with God to experience the fullness of him and everything we were even just singing about, about that overflow of blessing and healing and everything that Emily was just praying for us, that it wouldn't just be a moment, it wouldn't just be an hour, it wouldn't just be a time, but it becomes this rhythm of life where we have this courageous faith. That's what we're gonna look at in these verses. And today I'm excited, you're here on a perfect weekend, not just because it's the beginning of the series, but because we get to look at one of the most defining leaders in all of the Bible, Moses. A great man, a great leader, and one of the most defining stories in the Bible. And Moses clearly gets this invitation to live his best life really courageously. And we're going to see that there's these three foundational promises that God gave him that he gives us today to enable us to say yes and take our next step of faith, whatever that might be today. Because here's what I believe. Every single one of us has a next step of faith that God's inviting us into. I don't know what it is, but I believe that you do. Some of us may be our first step of faith just to trust God and invite Jesus, right? To be our savior, to choose to follow him with our life. These are the things God's gonna talk to us about today. We're gonna get a chance to say yes, to believe and then see who God is. So I invite you to grab your Bibles. Turn to Exodus chapter three. If you need a Bible, we always have Bibles for you. There's always Bibles back at the Next Steps corner. We'd love for you to have one, not just for today. We'd love for you to take one. Everybody needs a Bible. Love for you to bring them. You get to circle things, underline things. Just write down what God's saying to you today. Uh, Exodus chapter three, starting in verse one. Here we go. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness, and he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. You think? Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? That's a great question. I must go see it. 
When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. Now, here's the thing. There's a couple things you need to remember about Moses in the story. The first one is Moses, uh, he didn't grow up as a shepherd, right? Some of you know this. For some of you, this is news. He didn't grow up as a shepherd, right? Remember, Moses grew up as an Israelite, one of God's people, but he grew up in the palace of Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the entire land who was Egyptian at the time. And so he grows up in the palace of this king and he's growing older. He wrestles with this identity where he doesn't feel like he fits in. He doesn't belong anywhere. He's in the palace of these Egyptian people. He sees his people, the Israelites, they're slaves, they're being oppressed. And that anger and that frustration begins to grow over time to the point where he actually murders an Egyptian. And so now he has to run for his life because everybody hates him, right? The Egyptians hate him. He doesn't fit in there. The Israelites hate him because he grew up in the palace. So he runs out into the desert. And this now is taking place like 40 years later. He ends up in the desert with these Midianite people, meets Jethro, falls in love, and he just settles for this lie. I guess I'll just be a shepherd. He learns shepherding, and that's what he's doing. And so it's in this context, right, where all of a sudden he's living in this world, maybe where he had these dreams that have long since faded, but they come back. And and here's the first thing that we see. The first thing we got to remember when we're looking at a life of faith is that God speaks. God speaks to us. God speaks. God shows up sometimes in the most miraculous of moments in the most miraculous ways. I mean, clearly it's like he's speaking to him through a miracle, a burning bush, right? It's like, that's crazy. Like that's miraculous. And at the same time, God shows up and speaks in one of the most mundane places of Moses's life. It's just his everyday work. He's a shepherd out in the middle of the desert, tending sheep. This is something he'd done every day for years and years and years, day in and day out. Probably the last thing he expected was for God to speak. And yet that's when God speaks. God speaks sometimes in the miraculous, oftentimes in the mundane. Sometimes he speaks in a moment. We get overwhelmed with the fact that we think we heard God in some capacity. Lots of times that shows up in emotion. We're just overwhelmed with emotion. Sometimes it shows up with a question or a thought or a feeling that we've never had before. That's God speaking. Sometimes it's a moment. Sometimes it's over time. Sometimes we're thinking and wrestling like Jacob and praying about things over and over. And God slowly is shaping our thinking and our faith in this time. Sometimes God speaks in the quiet. Sometimes God speaks when we're alone. Lots of us, right, start our days just in quiet and solitude. So just maybe taking a walk by ourselves. We're alone with our thoughts. But God also speaks when it's really noisy. God can speak when there's trains that drive by all the time every single weekend here. God will speak not only in big environments and arenas where there's crowds. God will speak in concerts, arenas, crowds of people. And suddenly you feel like those feelings. thought That's God speaking to you. You see, God's always speaking. God speaks. That's the first thing you got to know is that God speaks. So the question I think that Moses would ask, that God would ask is, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening for all those, just the feelings, the thoughts, maybe the disruptions that come your way, the emotions that stir? Could be God speaking. Are you listening? And, and maybe you haven't even considered these things before. Are you, are you willing to listen? Are you even intrigued by the fact that the God, the creator of the universe, is speaking to you? It's 
pretty amazing. So the first thing we see is that, is that God speaks. This conversation unfolds between God and Moses. Verse 7, it says, Then the Lord said, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. The second thing we see is that God sees. God sees. He says, I've seen the oppression that's taking place on my people. I hear their cries. I'm aware of the suffering. And you can understand, this is years that this has taken place. And I would imagine that they, just like us, oftentimes feel like God is so distant and so far and so preoccupied probably with other things that, that he doesn't care. And here we see, it's like, no, 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 God's saying, I, I see. I'm paying attention to all of it. I see the pain and the hurt and the sadness. I see. And God even says, oftentimes, through his whole word, the way he describes himself is loving and gentle and kind, that I'm slow to anger, that I'm rich in love for my people. The picture that he wanted us to hold on to, Jesus, right, when he sends his son, the Bible says that if you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know what God sounds like, if you want to know what God looks, look at Jesus, and I think Jesus is so compelling to the whole world. This man who was this amazing teacher. This man who constantly was doing what? Moving towards the people that were hurting. He would see those that were broken or that were lost or that were in pain. And he'd move towards them with a sense of healing and compassion. And that's what God's saying is, I see, I moved compassionately. And Maybe for some of you, this is why you're here today. This is like the one thing maybe that God invited you here and brought you to here is that he sees you and that he cares and that he hasn't forgotten and that he sees your pain and that he feels your anxiousness or your fear or your worry and that he cares. Are you willing to believe that God sees you and that he cares? We see that God speaks, that he sees, and then finally God answers. He acts. Look at verse 10. It says, now go, for I'm sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But, but Moses protested to God, well, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I'll be with you. The third thing we see is that God sends. God sends people with his power and with his presence. That's what he does, right? He engages us to bring his compassion and his heart and his healing and his truth and his grace and his forgiveness into the world. That's what he does. He sends. He acts on behalf of his people. God responds. We talked about this last week. If you were here, we talked about Gideon. A very similar scenario, right? Like God shows up, he speaks, he sees, and he acts. He says, I'm, I'm gonna send you, right? And what does he say? He gives Gideon the same promise. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. You'll experience my power, my presence. I'll, I'll demonstrate to you and to everyone around you who I am. He, we see it in Matthew 28. We talked about it last week. Jesus' last words recorded in Matthew. I'll be with you always. Promises the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Second Corinthians 5, if you were here a few weeks ago, you got to hear Jonathan 
talk about how we're ambassadors of Jesus. We represent him in the world. We have a job. We have this mission to carry his heart of compassion with power and presence. And so the question is, is there an invitation? God sends his people into the world with his heart and with his power. And with, has God been giving you an invitation in that sense? Is there a next step that he's been inviting you into? And here's the thing, this, this is what leads us towards this verse, really, that's going to ignite our faith, the verse that really we can hold on to with these promises of, of God speaking and God seeing and God sending us. Okay, what does that mean? So let's read this out loud together. Verse 12, let's read this out loud. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Your sign right? Remember, now this is where you're going to see it. This is where you're going to see it. Your sign, your evidence of my power and presence at work within you. Your evidence that my promises are true and that I can be trusted. Your evidence that I am who I say I am is when, when you've done the work, after you've led my people out, after you've taken the next right step, after you go back. Well, that's when you're going to see it. The sign comes after. Everybody say, the sign comes. Oh, wow. But we don't like that, right? Because here's essentially what God's saying to him. Moses, go, and then you'll know. You want to know who I am? You want to experience the fullness of me? You want to overflow with blessing and healing? We sing these songs, and you know what he's saying to Moses? Go, and then you'll know. Believe, and then you'll see it. Oh, we don't like this, do we? Oh, I can feel it in you. You're like, no, I want to see it, and then I'll believe it. But God's saying, no, 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 go, and then you'll know. I speak, and I see you, and I care, and I send you, so go, and then you'll know. After, after, after you go back, after you walk back to the, both those groups of people, that will be startled to see you. After you walk back into that palace you grew up in, after you walk back into that community where you committed murder, after you walk back into those people you've been, after that, then you're gonna see and experience me. That's your sign. It's terrible, isn't it? We hate this. It's like, are you kidding me? In a world where we are wired for seeing and then believing, God says, no, 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 believe and then you'll see. That's incredible. Believing is seeing. And why should we be surprised by this? This is all through God's word, right? The definition for so many of us that we get one of the simplest definitions of faith. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what? What we do not see. Oh, you can't even say it. <laughs> but we know this verse, don't we? But it's so hard. You see, faith, faith is acting as if it's true. Faith is action. Faith is not thinking something to be true. Faith is not feeling something to be true. Faith is acting as if it's true. And here's the thing. We exercise faith all the time. You guys exercise faith. You know what you did? You came in this morning. You sat down, and you didn't even think if the chair was going to hold you or not. You didn't even think about it until I just said it. You just sat down. You had faith. You acted as if the chair was going to hold you. 
And it did. Because believing is seeing. Not only that, lots of you guys drove here today. You went out, you got in your car, you put the keys in, or fancy people, you pushed the button, right, to start it. And here's the thing. You didn't think twice. You just like my car. You just got in your car and started it because you had faith it was going to start. You acted as if it were true. Like, this is the thing. Like, that's what we do all the time. We understand this. Faith is action. And here's what's powerful about this. Please don't miss this. Moses had faith. Why? Because he did it. Spoiler alert right? Like he actually does this. He actually goes back. He actually allows God's power and presence to work through him. He actually leads these people out and they actually worship God on this mountain. It actually happens. He, now, did he want to? And the obvious answer is no. Even in this passage, remember, he's like, hey, I'm, you're going to do this. And he's not like, awesome, let's go. He's like, wait a second. But don't you understand, like, I, I'm not the right guy. I can't go back to these people. They hate me, all of them. There's no, you can't ask me to do this. Five times, it goes longer. He has this long argument with God about how he's the wrong guy. God never even addresses it with him. It's fantastic. It's got lots of excuses. But essentially, at the end of the day, does Moses have faith? Absolutely, because he acted as if it's true. Even when his words betrayed him with God. He acted it out. He did it. That's faith. We see this all through God's word, right? All through the Bible, the Christmas story, right? Lots of us familiar with that. Remember the angels show up and they tell the shepherds, hey, here's the thing. Jesus is born and here's going to be your sign. Remember, they got a sign. What was their sign? You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, right? And what did they have to, they didn't get the sign before they got it after, and what did they say? Well, let's go see. They acted out their faith. They took a step of faith. We see this all over. Hebrews 11. The whole hall of faith is full of people that acted it out. They got it after. Not before. God said, go. And then you'll know. Noah, build a boat. It's going to rain. The whole earth is going to flood. Noah starts building. Right? He started building before it rained. We see this. Abraham, you're going to be the father of this great nation. I have this amazing land. It's going to be incredible. I need you to go. Go where? Just go. I'll lead you. Okay. He packs up his whole house. They start moving. They just followed God one step at a time along the way. The disciples, they'd heard the stories, right, about Jesus, about a Messiah someday that would come, a savior for the whole world. They're out fishing, middle of the mundane, doing their job. Jesus walks by. He hadn't done anything yet, people. What did he say? Hey, guys, follow me. What'd they do? Okay. And they acted it out, and they got to see some of the most spectacular evidence of God's power and presence at work in Jesus because they said yes. We see this over and over. Paul makes this crystal clear to us. He says it so simply in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, we live by believing and not by... Oh, you still can't say it. It's hard, isn't it? Because the whole world, we grow up in an economy that says, oh, see and then believe. Your personal experience will validate what's true. And God just smiles and flips it upside down and goes, yes, it will, after you got to go, and then you'll know. you got to go, and then you'll know. Faith is believing and acting on that belief and then seeing it. And here's the thing. This journey, like I said, it never stops. 
There's never an arrival. There's just moment after moment where God smiles and invites. He speaks and he sees us and then he sends us and invites us to take new steps of faith. Just me being here today with you in my life is evidence of faith. I said yes to Jesus years ago in my life. And I remember about three and a half years ago, I got a call from a friend of mine, Matthew Cork, leads Friends Your Belinda and the Friends Story. Hey, you want to have lunch? Sure. We have lunch over here in Orange. It was great. Ate at Gabby's. Anybody like Gabby's? It's great. Good tacos. So anyway, he's like, hey, have you ever seen our, our, our Orange campus? And I'm like, no. He's like, would you want to? I'm like, sure. Walks me down here. It's great. Just join my day with Matthew. You know what I mean? Getting ready to leave, and he just goes, sit down. And he just said, our founding pastor, a guy named Jay Hewitt, he has brain cancer. Jay's going to have to go out. He's going to have to go out for treatment. He's going to have to go out for healing. He's going to be gone. We need somebody. We need somebody to come in and, and help hold and care for people. We need somebody to help continue the mission of Jesus to work through this church. And he said, but I need somebody on an interim basis. That's it. There's no promises. There's no guarantees. We don't know what's going to happen with Jay. We don't know what's going to happen with you. We don't know what's going to happen with the church. We have no idea. Oh, we didn't know what was going to happen with coronavirus. We didn't know everything that was going to happen in the last two or three years. Jay goes out, 18 months, treatments, healing. He does an Iron Man. Who does that? Any time in life, especially as you're going through brain cancer treatment. Jay's doing well. He came back, but he came back differently. And he said, you know, I think for me, it's not about carrying the weight of a church. I think it's about being part of a bigger story. Leads our online campus. Leads a lot of our technology and media ministry. He's one of our teaching pastors. He gets to go share his story all around the kingdom. And so Jay and Matthew came to me and said, hey, do you want to stay? What's that going to look like? We don't know. You want to figure it out as we go? Are you willing to take a step of faith and just see what God might want to do? You see, there's always a next step of faith that God's inviting you into. There's always a next step of faith that God's inviting me into. Every week, there's a new step of faith. Are you willing? Am I willing? God speaks. God sees. God sends us into these places. Are we willing? Now, I know for some of you, Bible scholars... I know what's going on in your minds. You're like, hmm, okay, Kyle, this is nice. But you mentioned Gideon. And I know the story of Gideon. And I love the whole go and then you'll know thing. But Gideon's story is really one of I want to know and then I'll go. And there's some of those stories that get played out in the Bible too, right? So Gideon, same story. God speaks, God sees, God sends him. And he's like, that's great. That sounds amazing. Same sort of dialogue that Moses has. But Gideon is saying, I am not going unless. And he asked God to give him signs before he goes. And you know what God does? He gives those to him. So which is it, Kyle? Here's what I would say. It seems the Bible is full of stories, right, that play out both ways. Go, and then you'll know. I want to know, and then I'll go. 
And God's grace covers both. But here's the thing that I know, and here's the thing that I often forget about, is two things. The first one is, God is always the initiator. Always. God is always first. He's always first in his love for you. He's always first in his care for you. He's always first in whatever it is. Why is that? Because he's always existed. He existed before everything. He created everything. He's the author of life. He existed long before you did. So he's the initiator of his love and his grace and his kindness and compassion. We even see that played out. The second thing I know is there's always evidence of God that also existed before you, which P.S., your evidence of God, but we'll, we'll talk about that another day. But there's always evidence of God. There's always evidence of his promises. There's always evidence of his presence. There's always evidence of his power that exists all around us because we see it everywhere. Creation. Psalms tells creation speaks. The wonder of creation speaks. We got to see it in the Yosemite Valley. That's better than anything you could ever imagine. We see it in oceans and sunrises and sunsets. We see it when we're camping and the sky's just a black canvas and you can see galaxies of which we're so tiny and there's more. It's like you just see it. That speaks to God. Not only that, but let's not forget, even in this story, Moses is talking to a burning bush. He's talking to a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning. Like, that's not a sign? Like, he needs more than that? Like, God's so kind to give him more. Talk about Gideon. Gideon is having a dialogue with an angel of the Lord that just appeared out of nowhere and sat there and talking. Like, that's not enough? Like, there's always evidence. You look back at the shepherds. They're talking to an angel and a host of angels. Like, that isn't evidence. There's always so much evidence of God. Jesus. We're talking about Jesus as evidence of God. Right? And you think, oh, man, that would have been incredible. I'd believe in God if only I was there when Jesus was there. Would you? Because the whole gospel of John is committed to these signs that, that Jesus would do to convince the people and show them of who he was. And he even promises the one that really matters is his own resurrection, which he does. You have this life and this death and this resurrection of Jesus. There's plenty of evidence for it in the world, not to matter in the life. And yet, look at what happens in John chapter 12, verse 37. It says this, despite all the miraculous signs that Jesus had done, most of the people still didn't believe in him. You know the word that stops me every time I read it? Most. It's not some. It's not even many. You see, the whole world has always operated on the economy of seeing is believing. Instead of believing is seeing. At some point, you're going to have to take a step of faith to see. And there's plenty of evidence that has been laid out for centuries before you. The question is, is it enough evidence for you? Because what's it going to take? I mean, even this morning, right, we sat here why these two amazing ladies got up, Judy and Helen, and they talked about these stories where what? God had spoken. 
gave him just a little invitation that they said yes to and were willing to take a step of faith. Show up in a group of people, a room that I didn't know anybody. I just showed up. And God spoke to them. God reminded them that he sees them and that he cares about them. You felt it as they talked about the emotion, sometimes being overwhelmed with tears, sometimes being overwhelmed with joy and laughter. But all of a sudden, they're seeing what they were believing and why they showed up. For some of you, just showing up here today is that step of faith. It's believing. Maybe there's something to this. I believe there's been enough evidence. It's been laid out in front of you today. God speaks. God's been speaking to you. God's been talking to you. The question is, is it enough evidence for you? I hope so. Because the best life is believing and then seeing. Because God is good and he's faithful and he can't wait to surprise you. So as we close, I want to pray for you. If you would, just close your eyes. And like I said at the beginning, maybe, maybe for some of you, today's the day that you decide to take your first step of faith. Maybe you've heard about God speaking and seeing you and about his love and about his forgiveness. Maybe you've heard about Jesus, about what it means to trust him and to follow him. Maybe you've heard that many times. Maybe you've heard that for the first time today. But I just want to invite you, if you've you've never trusted God by choosing to follow Jesus and you're ready to take that first step, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me just quietly in your own soul, in your own mind. Just say, Father, today I acknowledge that you speak and you've been speaking. And thank you for seeing me and all of my humanity and all of my weakness and and all of my doubt and all of my failure. And today I just surrender and give you all of that. Thank you for forgiveness. And I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Would you fill me and help me to see and experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Just as you keep your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, would you just raise your hand wherever you're at as I continue to pray? I just want to pray over you, for you. Thank you. So Father, today we thank you that you have a heart that follows us, that chases us, that pursues us, that, <laughs> that initiates a relationship with us, that waits patiently for us with your grace to take our steps of faith with you. And for all of us, would you help us to do that today? 
in your overflow of goodness, would you give us the courage to take our next step with you as we listen and respond?